How are you guys doing? Good. You can sit down. So good to see you. Uh, my name is Andrew. If this is your first time with us, um, I'm the lead pastor here. Joy to have you in our house. Make sure to come and visit us in Connect Central after the service. We'd love to meet you, answer any questions that you might have about who we are and what we are up to. I've been gone uh, the last couple weeks, and so uh, big thanks to the staff here for holding down the fort, Pastor Rory, uh, for preaching two weeks ago. And then last weekend, were you guys here last weekend for Pastor Jeremias Tamara's? Can we, he's not even here, but can we give it up for Jeremias? I told you. I told you. You have not heard preaching until you have heard Jeremias Tamara's bring the word. So uh, with the, I'm working on my doctorate through Western Theological Seminary uh, up in Holland, Michigan. And uh, so what we do is we have two like week-long intensives every year where we go on site and spend some time just thinking about our craft and what we're working on. And so this most recent intensive was a 12-day trip across the UK. We called it a Writer's Britain. So like some of the greatest historic sites in the history of writing in the United Kingdom. That's what we did. So uh, we were in Edinburgh, Scotland, which was amazing. And then we went to the holy island of Lindisfarne. That's where Christianity first came to Great Britain. That was amazing. We went to Durham and saw the cathedral there, the oldest of the Romanesque cathedrals. Is that, that's what they say. And that was great. And then we went to Stratford-upon-Avon. That's where Shakespeare lived and took in a Shakespeare play, Richard III. That was great. And we went to Oxford, stomping grounds of C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. And uh, that was amazing. And then London and home. And it was a great trip. And let me tell you, the best part about going away, do you know what it is? It's coming home. And I missed my people, my wife and my kids. I missed you guys worshiping with you this morning is putting strength in my soul. So I'm so glad to be back with you. We are starting a new series this morning on the book of 1 Timothy. So I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles there, finished up with Nehemiah. And we're jumping into this letter. And this is, uh, this is one of my favorite little sections in all the New Testament. Uh, Timothy is part of... <laughs> Tim Maslow is over here. You are, you are Timothy here. But you know, first and second Timothy. So there are three letters in the New Testament, first and second Timothy and Titus that were written by the Apostle Paul to uh, his young protégés. So Timothy pastored uh, the church in Ephesus after Paul had left it. And then Titus pastored on the island of Crete. And so Paul, the old man, writing from prison, you'll see this as you look at the letters. Uh, Paul is giving these guys some instructions on what to do and what not to do as young pastors. But he's also giving them instructions on how to regulate what's going on in the household of God. So that's the reason they're called pastoral epistles. They're all about what's happening in the family of faith and how are these young men supposed to leverage uh, the power of their office to help make sure the community of faith is rising up into what God wants it to be. And Paul says this, this is kind of the definitional statement, really, I think for all of the pastoral uh, letters, Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, God, starting in verse 14, there it is. He says, I although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people, God's people ought to conduct themselves in where? God's household, which is what? The church of the living God. And then this great line, he calls the church the pillar and the foundation of the truth, which is a pretty staggering statement. You know, we tend to, if you talk to most garden variety evangelicals, they'll say that the Bible is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. But Paul says that the church actually is the embodiment of the truth. It's the church that actually produces these scriptures, writes these scriptures under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul is doing is he's writing to Timothy 
to help Timothy remember what it takes to be the church and then to pass that on to the church. So we'll spend six weeks here going through Timothy, six chapters of Timothy, and then we'll be in Advent and then the year will be up. Oh my gosh. Help us, Lord. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, here we are in your presence. So grateful for it. Grateful that you are among us as our teacher, our guide, our helper. Uh, The scripture says that uh, you are, well, we just sang about it. You're the cornerstone and we're built upon you. We're living stones being built into a spiritual house. It's so delightful for me as a pastor in this community because I can see it happening. I see lives being put together. I see people being knit together. I see hearts coming together as one. And then I see the spirit moving among us and love being created in this place. And there's such openness to you in this house. And I just, I'm so grateful. And so this morning, we're just saying, speak, Lord Jesus. We're here for you. We're not here for ourselves. The church is your idea. It's not our idea. We're here because we've submitted ourselves to your lordship. So we just pray that you talk to us and you'd help us. Would you break out of our minds deception and lies, falsehood, illusions? And would you just let the clear, holy light of truth fall upon us? Help us remember what we've been called to be, what we've been called to do. Come, we say. May the words of the preacher's mouth and the meditation of the hearer's hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. First Timothy 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my, what does the text say? My true son. Everybody say it real loud. My my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. And all God's people said, Paul meets Timothy when Timothy is a young man in the book of Acts. Timothy's mom was a Jew. His dad was a Greek. And these were early, early, early believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Timothy had grown up in the household of faith. And on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he's coming through. And he gets connected to Timothy's family probably when he was a teenager. And there's just something beautiful that happens there. There's a connection between this man, the man, the myth, the legend, the apostle Paul, and this young man who had probably heard stories about the apostle Paul. And now it's like, oh, oh, the guy, Paul, you're here. And you can just imagine Timothy being 17, 18, wide eyed, listening to Paul talking about the resurrection of the dead and the coming kingdom of God and the theology of the church and all of that. And Timothy, something in Timothy's heart just burns, you know, like whatever it is, Paul, that you're doing, I want to do that. Like, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And Paul must have noticed it too, because right then in that moment in Acts, Timothy decides to leave his family behind and become one of Paul's traveling companions all throughout Asia Minor. And as we learn throughout the New Testament, I think this is one of the most beautiful storylines in all of the New Testament. But as we learn the New Testament, Timothy actually became one of Paul's most trusted companions over the course of many years. And so Paul would go to a region and found a church. And if he needed work done, he would send Timothy to do it. And now we get to this place in Timothy's life. And Timothy's actually leading the church in Ephesus that Paul helped to found. Paul trusted Timothy. They'd spent so much time together. And we read later in 2 Timothy towards the end, Paul is alone. He's by himself. He's in a prison cell and his heart hurts and he's missing his people. And he says this to Timothy. He goes, man, do your, just think about the relationship here between these men. He says, do your best, Timothy, to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, he's deserted me. And he's gone to Thessalonica and Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. And only Luke is with me. And we know Luke is not that great of company, you know. Poor Luke. 
But he says, get Mark and bring him with me because he's helpful to me in my ministry. And I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And when you come, listen to this. When you come, would you bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls and especially the parchment? You think, listen to Paul. Timothy, I miss you. And I need you to come and see me. And when you come, would you bring my favorite sweatshirt? I mean, really, it's that close. And the books, you know my favorite books that I have? Would you bring those too? Because it's really hard over here. That's how close they were. And so Paul, at the beginning of this letter, he gives us something that we need to pay attention to. Could I lift one point for you this morning? Here it is. Faith makes what? It makes family. It's to me the most beautiful thing about the faith. That we come into this moment of encountering God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we bend the knee to Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. That sort of vertical encounter with the living God creates a sort of cataclysmic horizontal encounter with other people. And it transforms our relationships. But that's what the church is, guys. The church is not a group of individuals who like happen to relate to Jesus in this kind of individual and vertical way. The church is a group of people that have been brought into. the. We've, Paul calls us the very body of Christ. And everywhere we're called to speak to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what happens in our baptism. We're brought into the family of God. We call on the same God, Abba, Father, faith makes a family. And I love this aspect of being in the church. Those of you that have been around East for any length of time, you know that I'm born and raised in a church in central Wisconsin. It's such an important experience of family for me. And church of six or 700 people, beautiful souls. And I remember leaving that church at 18 and wondering to myself, is that ever going to happen again? Or is that just like a one-off kind of thing? Like God did that there and now we got to kind of fend for ourselves for the rest of our lives. And Mandy and I went on to a church in Tulsa and there it happened again, the faith made family. And then we went on to a church in Chicago and we didn't know a soul in the Chicago area. And there again, faith made family, friendships that have lasted our whole lives. And we went back down to Tulsa. I was an associate pastor there and faith made family. And then we moved to Denver, family and Colorado Sprint, family everywhere, people that are near to us and dear to us, brothers and sisters in the faith who have supported our lives and they've made our lives rich and beautiful. And it's not just like the brothers and sisters though also, it's, you know, Paul, it's like a father relationship, you know? And I've had those too. I have really good parents. But I also have this whole constellation of folks I consider spiritual fathers and mothers. To me, one of the most significant was when I was a young associate pastor in Oklahoma. I'm 25, 26 and trying to prove myself and I've got what it takes and all of that. And I came into this church and, uh, you know, uh, a measure of brashness, I think, in my heart and also some nervousness about myself. You know, do I actually have it? I don't really know. And one of the most significant relationships, friendships I made in that church was with this couple, Paul and Juanita Leeming. And Paul was a pastor, retired pastor in his early 80s. And he'd been in the Tulsa area for many, many years and retired. And now he was coming to our church and Paul and Juanita, you know, time had shrunk them. And so they were like little hobbit pastors, you know. And but every time I was around them, I just felt so safe and seen by them. And they could see because they'd been in it for so long, they could see everything that was happening in me. And every time they looked at me and greeted me on a Sunday morning, but half the time, Pastor Paul would greet me with tears in his eyes because he just, he just loved me. Why? I don't know. I hadn't done anything to earn his love or earn his approval. I think he just saw a son in the faith. 
And I think he just knew that the, th- the best thing that he could do for me was bless me. And he did. Paul and Manita always wrap me up and look me in the eye. You're doing a great job. Keep going, man. And one of the most significant moments of my life happened on Father's Day 2007. We'd been at the church for about a year. And that Father's Day, we decided to do something really unique that we thought the congregation would like. Uh, we uh, decided to have three generations of dads share on fatherhood in that Father's Day service. And so that would be me representing the young dads and then my senior pastor representing kind of middle-aged dads and then Pastor Paul representing that kind of full flowering of fatherhood, you know, in your 80s. And so I got up and I was excited to share with these guys, you know, and also to kind of show off a little bit. And so I got up there for 10 minutes and lit off some sermon fireworks, you know, and that was fun. And then I sat down and then my senior pastor got up and he shared for a while and it was beautiful and amazing. And then he sat down and then Pastor Paul got up. And Paul, and Paul at this point in his life, you know, he's got a little bit of the shakes. You know, you could tell his, his body just wearing down. And so it took a lot of strength for him to be up there. And what Paul shared about was Paul shared about the Apostle Paul's relationship to these young men. And how Paul gave himself, poured himself out and helped raise these men up. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Paul stood up there and as he shared, he looked at the congregation and he said, it might be church that the most significant thing that this ministry produces is that young man that's sitting on the front row over there. And then he looked at the church and he said, you take care of him. So I don't know where else we find that, but the church. And those words have lingered with me when I've been in moments of self-doubt and darkness. I've thought about Pastor Paul leaving And I've thought about how he saw something good in me and he said it in front of a whole bunch of people and I can keep going because somebody believed in me. Do you know that's what the church is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a place like that. And do you know that that's what this church, this community is? There's so many. We've obviously, we're not in Tulsa anymore. We moved on to Denver and then all over the place. And God has given us relationship after relationship after relationship. Like that, I look out in this congregation, I think about Jim and Janine Hardy who come to our first service. I think about Bruce and Linda McCaleb who come to our first service. And I think of Steve and Luann sitting over here and Glenn and Vicki Smith. They were my pastors when I was a kid in Wisconsin. And now they're over here. And every time I see Glenn and Vicki, they go, it's so good to see you. You're doing a great job. And man, the church is a really, really beautiful place. And I, I just want to ask you this morning, what's preventing you from giving yourself over to the full gift of God that is the family of God, the church? Because some of you really are holding the church at arm's length. You're holding community at arm's length, you know? And you know the promise of God, that his presence, that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there I am in the midst of them. But you go, ah, there's something I don't... So something's making you hold yourself at a distance from it. What is that thing? Can I answer the question for you? Fear is the thing that's making you hold yourself back. Okay, you're afraid of being hurt. You're afraid of being let down. But more than that, you're afraid of being seen. You're afraid of people seeing the truest things about you. And there's that thing that you carry around where you go, the moment that they see this thing about me, that's when the whole game is up. Guys, you're in a community of sinners. All right? That's what this will be until we are fully sanctified at home with the Lord. It's a community of sinners. And what we do, like this is not the religious have it all together club. What we do when we get together is we corporately confess our need for God. That's the whole point of coming to the table. 
is that we go, most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and what we've left undone. We're a community of sinners. We're throwing ourselves at the mercy of God. And as we experience the mercy, we're trying to extend the mercy to one another. The only thing that's keeping you back is fear. You're just afraid of being seen. You're afraid maybe of being hurt again because you've been hurt in the church. And of all the blessings that the church, for all the blessings that the church has given me in my life, the church has also wounded me deeply. And maybe you're also in that place where the church has wounded you in profound ways. And I think that it's no accident that that is the case. Those relationships that have the most power to bless us also have the most power to diminish our lives. And I'll tell you, when I came here to New Life Church five years ago, we were coming off of a church plant in Denver and we loved so many of those people there and it was an amazing story, amazing journey. And, and we were hurt and we were bruised and we were crushed. And I remember coming here taking a job at New Life thinking, this is the last, this is the last chance for me. Like it's either going to work here or it's not going to work anywhere else. And I would walk in and God is my witness. This is true. I would walk into that big blue building over there, the main campus of New Life Church. Every single day I would walk into that building. This went on for about three years, three and a half years. And I've only been here five. Every day I would walk into that building, visceral, physical terror would come over my body. But I just feel it. I'm on edge. What are they going to say to me? What are they going to do to me? What phantom strike is going to happen that just leaves me blindsided and bewildered? How, how is it going to happen again? And I would be on the, on the defense, you know, fists clenched all day long. And I would go home. And Mandy could tell you, I would go home and I'd be so exhausted from having to fight that battle every single day. And I would go into my prayer closet. I mean, loud, vocal, frequent prayers to God. I would go, God, this is killing me to be here. And I know I'm surrounded by all these people that are good people and I know I'm taken care of and I know I'm covered and I'm blessed and all of that. But the fight in my soul is so huge. And do I have to do this? You know, it'd be easier, God. I'll tell you what would be easier. What would be easier is me being like an itinerant traveling speaker who writes books and just kind of breezes into a city and shows up and does this thing, da 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 breezes away, gets back on. That'd be amazing. Because then I could just have my like little close circle of really, truly trusted people and then do something amazing for the masses and then go away. And amazing for the masses and go away. And that sounds like a safe and productive life. And furthermore, people do it. Lots of people are doing it with great success. Why do you hate me? (laughs) God, a thousand times I tendered letters of resignation in my heart. Thanks for the opportunity. I can't do it anymore. And I would hear the Holy Spirit say, stay, stay, stay. Why, God? Stay, but I don't want to stay. Stay, but it hurts to stay. Stay. Do you know why we have to stay? Because the only way that God heals the hurts that happen to us in community is by the grace that comes to us in community. There's no other way. And if Andrew had decided five years ago to become a traveling speaker, I would have been living a shadow impartial existence 
with deep portions of my life tucked away, hurt, closed away, safe, protected. Meanwhile, the public sees like the best parts of me over here, but these parts have not been ministered to. And so staying, do you know what staying has done? Staying has given those parts, the hurt parts, the painful parts, the dark parts. Staying has given me an opportunity to have those parts loved. And when you're loved, not just for the good things that you do, but also for the bad things that you are and the broken things that you are and the mess of contradictions that you are, when you can be loved in the totality of your humanity and still feel safe, that'll change your life. All of a sudden you feel something waking up and your strength rises up in you. And that gift that's been given to you, do you know what you wind up doing? You give it away. I had a, so much more that I wanted to say this morning, but we are flat out of time. So this is what I want to say to you. And I'm speaking especially to those of you that are holding community at arm's length. I'm saying to you that you're locking yourself out of a pivotal grace of God. The scripture says, Psalm 68 and verse 6, that God sets the lonely in families. And he's doing that to you. He's offering that to you. Some of those places that you've taken and you've locked away, God wants to heal that by the grace of community. Some of those places in you that are just broken and shattered, you feel like seemingly beyond repair. I'm telling you, the moment that you begin to open your life to other people, the grace of God and community, God will take those pieces and put them back together again. Some of you, you're sick with loneliness in your life. Mother Teresa said that the great poverty of the Western world is not financial poverty. It's not food poverty. Do you know what she said that the great poverty is? Loneliness. This is the place where that's spoken to and healed. You just have to come. And God does not offer us ideas about himself. What God offers us, friends is the body and the blood of Christ here at the table and here in this circle of love that the Spirit is putting together again. You just got to receive it. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Oh, Spirit of God, we, we welcome you here. Family, would you lift your hands and just begin to welcome the Spirit. Spirit, we welcome you here. We receive the grace of God in this moment. We thank you that there's nothing to fear. The scripture says that perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. There is no punishment for us to fear. For the punishment fell upon the sinless son of God. That's all done. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing to hide from. Nothing to gain. Nothing to lose. It's just you. You're here for us. And so we pray that we would submit would you help us receive the gifts that you offer us? And we remember that on the night that he was betrayed, after he had given thanks, our Lord Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this all of you and eat. This is my body. He gives us his body. It's broken for you. 
do this whenever you take it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, drink from this, all of you. But this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Just poured out for many for the remission of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Here is God giving us his body. Here is God forgiving all of our sins. Here is God giving us to each other as family. Now we pray that your spirit would fall upon us with grace to help us receive. Come, Lord Jesus. Take this bread and take this cup. Take these moments and make them a communion with you. Grant it, we ask. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, I'm gonna invite our servers to come forward to serve communion this morning. We're doing it a little bit differently uh, lately. Back to normal communion is what we're doing. And so you're gonna come forward in just a moment to receive the elements. The servers are sanitizing their hands as we speak. And so you're gonna come forward up these center aisles here and they'll put a cracker in your hand. You'll take that cracker, you'll dunk it in the juice and you'll take it either on the way back to your seat or if you're with your family, y'all could take it together. If you need gluten-free, we got gluten-free options for you. Am I supposed to say any other words about this? The gluten-free is over here. Okay. Thanks be to God, it's all gluten-free. We're so inclusive. It's amazing. Brothers and sisters, these are the gifts of God given for the people of God. Come forward and receive communion.
One more thing we got to do this morning. In the spirit of Faith Makes Family, can I ask uh, Jake and Cassie Kaiser to come down front here as they make their way to the front? New Life East, would you uh, just show them a whole bunch of love? You don't even know why you're doing that, but I'm going to tell you in just a second. Jake and Cassie, they've been part of our community for the last couple years. Uh, Jake runs our AV tech team and has done just a killer job of it. They're coming up with their little nieces and nephews. Mama Judy here. This guy has served our community so well. Cassie has been such a blessing to our community. And uh, they've just been feeling in the last season that it's time for them to kind of shift some things around. So this dude is so talented. And we've been so blessed to have him. And he's starting to feel like he needs to move more into the direction of freelancing and kind of building his business up outside of the church. And so we're releasing him and blessing him to do that. That's a sore loss for our community, but that's a great thing for all those folks that need good AV tech work out there. So give it up for Jake. We sense the hand of God in this. There's blessing everywhere for them. And uh, they'll still be around here, but they get to, this is like they're looking forward to being able to just come and worship on Sunday morning. So it's going to be a great season for them. Would you stretch out your hands, family, toward the Kaisers here? And if you know these guys, you can come up and surround them, show them all kinds of love and support. Oh, God. The psalmist said that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. Our paths are marked out. And the scripture says that the steps of righteous people are ordered by the Lord. The path of a righteous man, says the writer of Proverbs, grows brighter and brighter until the full light of day. So we thank you that there is strength to come for them. We thank you that there is prosperity to come for them. We thank you that there is blessing to come for them. We thank you that there is joy to come for them. 
we thank you that they're 10 years from now, they're going to look at each other and go, can you believe that God did that? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So we say, keep them united in their spirits, close to each other. Keep them united in their hearts to you, close to your heart, and bless them in all they put their hands to do, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the church said, amen. Give it up for the Kaisers one more time. All right, all right, all right. Lift up your hands. Receive this benediction as you go. Church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy, and peace be with you. If you need prayer for anything this morning, our altar ministry team will be at the edges of our auditorium to pray for you. If you're interested in baptism, talk to Pastor Rory. If you're new, see us in Connect Central. I have no more words to say. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. We'll see you next week.